lot of illusion. How much did you, did you just come from training? Yep. Yeah. And uh, what'd you work out today? Today was upper body. Mm -hmm. And uh, to be honest with you, I was a little fried because yesterday we did lower body. Uh -huh. And dude, it's the circuit from hell. So uh, the A series is a pretty dynamic warm up. And then the B series, you get into a uh, superset with uh, trap bar deadlift, uh -huh. really heavy, four to six reps. Uh -huh. And then 20 reps of goblet squat immediately after that. Followed by four to six hamstring curls with the, with the stability ball, yeah. and then 20 hamstring curls on the machine. So you're just fried. How many people are doing that? Uh, yesterday it was just me and one other person. Oh, so that's turnovers, turnaround skies. Right. And right. it's supposed to be heavy, and I haven't really lifted weights in, in a little over a year. Yeah. Like seriously, I'd, I'd hit the weight room like maybe once a week, especially with fire season, if that. Yeah. And then so yesterday I was like, well, I gotta go heavy, so I was deadlifting over 600 pounds for the first time in two years. How long are you back now? Uh, about a month. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I think what the key is is that what have you been up to, right? So yeah. What's been going on? So you were, you were did you officially retire? No? Yep, officially, officially retired. retired. Um, I was done after 2017, but due to some contract things, I didn't really announce it till 2018. Gotcha. And by that time, I was already living out in BC. Yeah. And I uh, worked as a personal trainer out there for a little bit. Were you working at like a, like a regular, like a private gym or working at like a good life? Private gym. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Yeah, it was a private gym. Yeah. Uh, I did some work out there and then I got interested in forest firefighting, so I thought I'd give that a go. Yeah. And uh, did that this past summer. That was a wild adventure. And then uh, my girlfriend, she's originally from Ottawa as well. So is that how you ended up back? So you you done with the CFL? Yep. Went out to Kelowna because I remember we were talking. You're like, here, I love the fresh air out there. Yeah, for right. sure. Um, I love the West. I was born in BC. Okay, gotcha. I went to school, of course, in Utah. And Utah is very similar to inland BC. Yeah. Kind of deserty and mountainous and all that. So, she had moved out there um, a few years ago. We reconnected yeah. and then uh, started dating again. And then when I retired, I was like, why not? So I headed out there, and that's how I ended up out there. You went out there. So, so then walk us through Connor Williams. Yep. Right. So walk us through. How did you get into football? So I know you, because you're from you played in Ottawa, correct? Yes, sir. So walk us through the transition of who is Connor Williams? How did he get involved in football? So uh, bounced around a lot when I was a kid, and because of that, I was pretty shy. Yeah. I didn't like doing much at all. And my mom and dad always pushed me to do sports, but again, I was super shy. I didn't like anything. We finally moved to Ottawa, and of course, my uncle Shane on my mother's side, he played in the CFL. Uh, my so who did he play for? He played for Ottawa Rough Riders. Oh, wow. And okay. uh, Montreal Alouettes. And then my uncle Brian, he played for the Utah Utes University. And then okay. he played for the Blue Bombers in the CFL. Okay. So there's a history of football in the family. So when we moved here, I was about nine. And my mom's like, well, you're playing football. And you know what? <laughs> like, I went to get my equipment and I was nervous. And then uh, we had our first practice and I got to hit people. <laughs> And I grew up watching like Conan the Barbarian and all these warrior movies and my dad was always huge on that and I loved being a knight and a warrior and so when I put on the equipment for the first time and I got to hit people I felt like a real life warrior. So yeah. I just fell in love with it from there on out. Gotcha. So yeah, I started playing football at that age. So which team are you playing for Ottawa? Canada Knights. Canada Knights, okay. So Canada they're Knights. still around today? Still around today, yeah. So there's the original? Tyke. Okay. Um, started playing as a D lineman. Mm -hmm. um, and then just continued playing, bounced around. I en ended up settling on linebacker. And then uh, grew up playing a lot of sports. I was big into track and field. I was big into sprinting. Um, they always wanted me to throw, but I found it super boring. So gotcha. did a lot of relays. Uh, did a lot of uh, like 200 meter sprints, things like that. Um, got into cross country too, actually. <laughs> so how big are you at this point? So uh, what age are we talking here? 12, 13, 14, 15, 16? What are we talking about? I would have been... Uh, uh, eighth grade. Eighth so, grade. however old that is, I think you're, I think you're fifteen when you're in the. My daughter is uh, in grade. I always get lost. When uh, it comes yeah, to I get ages, age, but I so. Have no idea. So in grade eight, grade nine, how big were you? I was not big. I was like maybe one twenty-five. Okay. In grade nine. Okay, so the, and, and you're, you're playing linebacker. Playing linebacker. I'm wrestling on the wrestling team. I'm running track. Uh, anything that I had to do with like physicality, I enjoyed. I wasn't mm -hmm. really good at finesse sports, mm -hmm. so like 
you know, volleyball, hockey, basketball, that really wasn't my thing. Yeah. I like to have be more tangible. Yeah. And put my hands on people or like sprinting is just sprinting, you know. But yeah, I really enjoyed that. And then I ended up playing for the Myers Riders in OBFL, which from my understanding has dissolved since then. But uh, yeah, I started, started really blossoming with football and I became a record holder in tackles in the OBFL. I'm not sure how long that, uh, that is, record stood. Is the stat still there today? No. No, I think the league dissolved, so it wouldn't be there anymore. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure how long that record stood, so I started doing that. And then uh, my uncle Brian took myself and my cousin Ryan to go watch the University of Utah play against Pittsburgh in the Tostitas Bowl when I was maybe in the 10th grade. And then I saw, you know, 75,000 people, uh, the fireworks, the band, everything like that, and I just fell in love with it right then and there. So I knew at that point that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to play Division One football. So I started getting my tape together. I uh, started training in the weight room, um, doing CrossFit before that was even a thing. So we were in there doing kipping pull-ups and all these circuits, and everyone was looking at us like we were crazy. Because what year is that now? I was in the 10th grade. So I remember we were watching some guy who was filming himself in his garage. I think he was like the founder of CrossFit. My uncle came across him. Okay. So that's how we started training. And then I started just doing really well with ball, and I started uh, growing into myself. So by the time I graduated high school, I was 230 pounds. Oh, wow. 230 at 17 years old. So you're 100% bigger. Yeah. Because you were 125 in grade 9. Yep. Now, did you do OEC? Did you do grade 13? Oh, no. No? That had dissolved by that point. So I was debating doing a victory lap had I not earned my scholarship, but no. I... uh, I was a last minute deal, so what had happened was I wanted to see Utah play again when they played against Michigan in the 11th grade, I believe it was. Did you go to Michigan here? Or did went, you to, to went to Michigan. Gotcha. The Wolverines. Yeah. And met with Coach Anderson, who was the defensive co- coordinator at the time, and he really liked me. He liked my physicality. Uh, I gave him my tape, and uh, he told me we'd be in touch. Uh, we maintained some type of contact for a while, and then, of course, that year, to, nope, that would have been my grade 12th year. So that year, Utah went on to have a perfect season and beat Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. So debatably, they were the best team in the nation at that time. And of course, with that, like, why would the best team in the nation want to recruit a Canadian kid? You know, like they'll have their pick of the litter as far as recruits. So the talking stopped. So I thought my dreams of being a Ute were done. Started sending my tape to other schools. I had a lot of interest from other schools, uh, Buffalo, Rice, uh, the list goes on. And then one day I got a call from Utah State. And I was like, who is Utah State? So what had happened was, is Coach Anderson decided he was going to take the head coaching job at Utah State. And he had held on to all of his recruits. And then when he finally made the move, that's when he started making the phone calls. So I got a call from Utah State. Uh, they sent Coach Chad Kahawahawaha up here. Uh, to look at me, came to my school, looked at me, uh, saw me run around for practice with the high school all-star team, and then uh, he went back down to school, and I got a call shortly thereafter. They told me they were going to offer me. They sent me the letter, and I signed, and I was on scholarship at Utah State. Never had been there, never had seen anything. I didn't even know what the uniforms looked like, but I just knew I wanted to do it, so signed it, and then uh, about a month or so later, I was headed down. They were Div 1? Div 1, yeah. Gotcha. At the time, they were probably in the bottom 10 teams in the nation. Okay. So it was going to be a big turnaround project, and it was a big uphill battle, but we eventually turned that program around to a top 20 nice. team. Yeah. And then from there, you were then drafted to the CFL? Yep. So my junior year, um, I'd been getting some calls from various teams, Hamilton, Saskatchewan. Uh, Calgary was showing a lot of interest as well. And then uh, I had heard rumors, because I had been in the States for most of the time. Most people who don't know a Division One schedule, like, you think it's just a football season, but it's an all-year thing. You have spring football and all that. So, like, all in all, you come back home for maybe about a month long the entire year, you know, with, like, two weeks here, a week there, whatever it may be. So I had heard rumors that Ottawa was going to make a comeback, but I hadn't been around, so I didn't really know. Okay. And then... Uh, I hear that the draft is going to happen. Ottawa's son called me and asked me if I'm excited. I had no idea the draft was going to happen because I just got back home for a quick visit. 
and I turn on the TV and I turn on the draft and then all all of a sudden my name gets called by the Ottawa Red Blacks and I was like cool yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then I went down to finish my senior year so the Red Blacks mm -hmm. was the first team yeah so was that technically was your only team you ever played for yep that's it so you were like drafted into the that's a pretty cool story it is pretty cool yeah. right because there's not many people and play one team especially in the CFL yeah I think that's one of the big debates right now right a lot of teams bouncing people are bouncing around a lot like, yeah there's not many guys who are playing one team yeah I mean if you look at the contracts the longest contract you'll see is like two years yeah. and so guys they bounce around frequently and you see it all the time like people come and go and they'll they'll play for three teams and then go back to the original team they played for and whatnot it's usually crazy so for me to start with one team and finish with the same team is pretty irregular. So that's four years, right? Yep. Four years of play. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, and so now walk us through uh, the journey of, I want to know what you're eating, your training, right? Because that's what we want to share with people is, you know, that story. Yep. Right? Because I'm sure there was, you've been through ups and downs with changes. And, you know, the one thing I've learned about athletes or most people who are, especially who are always looking to get better, they're always looking. Yep. Right, they're looking for that next edge, or they're looking to try new things. So, grade nine, one twenty-five. I yep. think we only need to hear this story from grade nine, one twenty-five pounds to, you know, a hundred percent body weight gain yep. in four years. What does that look like? Like, what does a grade nine nutrition yep. look like to a grade OAC? And what was your training look? What were you doing? Walk us through. So I was very fortunate to grow up in a family where, like, my mother, she doesn't have an understanding of the ins and outs of nutrition, but mm -hmm. she knows good food from bad food. So we grew up on a very, like, high-protein-based diet, uh, a lot of clean carbs, like yams and things like that. And my, my like, treats and snacks were usually, like, fruit bowls and things like that. So I was never a kid who ate a lot of candy. I was never, never like that. But... You know, um, my dad, unfortunately, wasn't around much due to work, and so my mom was essentially a single mother, and with that came, like, we were busy. So a lot of times it was Wendy's Burgers uh, as well, Harvey's, all that stuff. So, yeah. I mean, I was able to pretty much, at that young age, and the energy expenditure I was doing with all the sports I was playing and then getting into the weight room, I was pretty much able to eat whatever I wanted, but it was just a lot of it. And then towards my senior year, I had a friend who I got hooked up who started training me. His name's Dexter Ross. Okay. Uh, awesome, awesome mentor, uh, phenomenal human being. He, this is in Ottawa, right? This is in Ottawa, yep. Gotcha. He got me on the whole milk train. Okay, so, I like to hear these stories. So he would give me these, he owned like part of a cow, and so they would get X <laughs> amount of uh, things of milk yeah. like this big. And so for X amount of dollars a month, he would give me so many. So is that is that pasteurized milk or is that just right from the cow? Right to, from the cow. Oh, that's Straight, a different ball. Grass yeah. fed, like yeah, here you go, exactly. here's some whole milk. Exactly. Country. So that was my first introduction to like organic stuff. Yeah. And I was downing like a pint thing of milk, whatever that size is. Uh, I was downing a couple of those a day. Yeah. That's a day. The old and school like bulking diet. Oh yeah. Just drink milk. So couple that with meat and potato diet and, you know, just doing my own ignorant research, like hearing how much all these people eat, I, I knew I had to intake more calories, so I was doing all that, and man, I just ballooned up. I was always a, like a long, strong kid, but then I started to really fill out, and before I knew it, I was 2.30. So what was fun, some of your funny meals that you would have? If you look back today, you're like, I can't believe I ate that. Man, I used to... There's this place called uh, Oxhead yeah. Restaurant in uh, Canada Centrum. And so I used to get these vermicelli bowls. So vermicelli noodles with beef or whatever else and vegetables. And they're, they're substantial bowls like this. And I would eat two of those with a whole large wonton soup and spring rolls. To all to yourself? All to myself at a time. Yeah. In high school? Yeah. That's yeah. a big meal. Yeah, huge. I was I, I couldn't quench my, my hunger, man. I was so always he, hungry. He saw you walking in. He was like, thank God we're not all you can eat buffet. Dude, I kept that thing in that place in business. <laughs> and then so what was going on in the training at the point? Were you doing? Were you working out with a trainer? Nope. So um, High school gym room? Where are you working out now? When, when we were young, we started going to my Uncle Shane, the fellow who played with the Rough Riders back yeah. in the day. We used to go to his basement, and he used to just have us do simple footwork drills. Uh, like a like an X on the floor, and uh, you know just various plyometric kind of stuff, and then just a lot of push-ups and pull-ups. Gotcha. And then he 
first started seeing CrossFit on the internet, and then that's my first experience in the gym was doing CrossFit-esque workouts, you know, like a lot of thrusters, squats, uh, a lot of dumbbell stuff, a high lot intensity. of interval, high intense hit training things. Yeah. Did that for a few amount of years, and um, that's good. Like any type of training, when you start training, you're going to see some type of results. But uh, as I got older, I needed to be more specific based for football. And one day I was at the gym training by myself, and that's when I saw Dexter Ross for the first time. And he was wearing a Minot State shirt. And I could tell he was a football player. So I went up to him and I introduced myself, and he didn't really have too much time for me. And then the next time I saw him, I you know introduced myself again, and then I peeped in the question like, oh, so what are you doing for training? And then again, he didn't have much time for me, and then I, I delivered the question like, you know, would I ever be able to train with you? And he said, no. Yeah. Sure enough. I was he in the persistent. CFL or was he? Played at Minot State. He's a Hall of Famer there. Okay. Went to CFL for a short amount of time, got injured, and then he became an engineer. Okay. So he had hung up the cleats by the time I ran into him. And uh, I stayed persistent with asking to train with him. And he said, no, no, no. And eventually he said, all right, meet me at the park. So I went to the park one day, and he ran me into the ground. I was throwing up, but I didn't quit. So he decided from there on out, all right, I'll train with you. So he always says, uh, I'm blessed to be a blessing to people. He's very giving. And so he just took me under his wing and started training me. So that's my first experience of diving into football-specific training. So is that before you left for Div 1? Yeah, that would be the summer of? grade 11th year. So grade 11, it's now planted. Let's get it, like now you're getting more serious. Yeah, Right. Sure. So so then diet, did he give any dietary changes or just said keep doing what you're doing? No. Just gave no, you the milk? Nothing nothing too specific with diet. I didn't really start changing my diet until uh, my senior year of college. Gotcha. So and I can point out the day when I realized that that had to change. So it was... The whole experience at university was just get bigger, get bigger, get bigger. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I had ballooned up to, when I first got there, I was 230. And then, you know, hovered around that for some time, uh, give or take. And then I got moved to D Lyman. So I had to put on weight. And it was just by any means necessary. So I was eating McDonald's as much as I could. So you're on, are you on scholarship at this point? Yeah, yeah. So do they give you full cafeteria, all that kind of stuff? It's all you can eat, right? Like the buffets yeah, there? Yeah, gotcha. exactly. But I mean, like that food just gets dry after a while. And yeah. then um, I was only on campus my first two years. After that, I moved into my own house. And so once you move off campus, you're not gifted a meal plan from the uh, cafeteria. So yeah. it's all your own means to find food. And you know, you're so busy, it's hard. So it's constantly fast food. And, but I had been able to do that. There was no problem. And then I remember one day, I had got my regular meal before practice, which was two Baconators, two sets of fries, and then a extra, because in the States, everything's bigger, so extra, extra large uh, Gatorade. And I could down that, no problem, go to practice, play nice and light on my feet, no issue. But one day, I had that meal, I went to practice, and I felt slow, low energy, weak, just no juice, you know? Yeah. I was like, what is going on? And then I continued with what I was doing and was having the same results, just feeling sluggish, gross, slow. And, uh, you know, at this point I was like 270. So you're 35 pounds heavier now. Yeah, 35 pounds. And it's not all good. Yeah. Like, I could show you some of my pictures. And it was just bad. It was bad. And then so I went one day to my uh, strength coach at the time, Dave Scholes. Uh, very big in nutrition. Do they, so they, yeah, because I know in the U.S. that's one of the big things they'll have. They'll have all of the kit there for you, right? Yeah. Like they give you the food, they give you the workout. The, the work. big, the big programs. We're Division One, but we're not considered a Power Five conference. Gotcha. And especially at that time, we had just started to emerge as a good team. Before that, we were bad, so there wasn't too many donors giving money. Gotcha. And so when we started becoming more successful, that's when all that stuff came. But this was pre that. But sat down with him. And I said, listen, like my energy is in the toilet. Uh, I look like shit. I'm sorry. Um, I look like garbage. I'm not playing like I used to. What's going on? So he sat down with me and we went over my diet. He said, well, what are you eating in the morning? I said, well, I'm having this big thing of oatmeal first thing in the morning. Because I thought, carb up, that's energy. He yeah. goes, well, that's probably your number one problem right there. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I'm going to butcher the science, but he, he told me essentially, like, by eating all those carbs first thing in the morning, I'm basically, like, running on fumes by the time practice rolls around in the afternoon. 
and he started explaining all these things to me in, in organic food, the power of grass-fed beef, and and when you eat carbs in, in relation to the day and, and uh, your, when you have practice and all that stuff. And so you started laying out a little bit of a structure. A little bit of a structure. So, and just some nutrient timing principles. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, can do wonders. Absolutely. A simple thing like that can do wonders for And people. you know what? So he said, try this. When you get up in the morning, I want you to eat some type of red meat. And maybe some nuts and a couple berries. So that would be when? That would be 2000? This was 2013. Okay, so that's, yeah, that's about the right dawn. So I learned about that concept in 2006 mm -hmm. about high protein, yep. high protein diets, high fat diet for breakfast because yep. it's better for your brain, yep. better for your mood, and mm -hmm. slowly start to introduce your carbohydrates to the day. Exactly. So yeah, that, that, that's ahead of the curve at that point because sure. you know, in 2013, there's some people who still think the old school, like just Absolutely. jam full of carbs, and then everything will take care of yourself. Pastas, rice, yeah. oatmeal, etc. So I started playing with that, and almost immediately I noticed a difference. My brain fog was gone. Uh, I had more juice during practice. I had more giddy up with with my activity. Uh, I felt clear in the classroom. Um, it was just immediate uh, intervention there. So. That's when I started to really get an interest in nutrition and understanding that what you put in your body is a gigantic part of your performance, you know, on the field and off the field. And it just goes to show, I think one of the most important parts of that is that you were doing the generic diet, yeah. right? Like everything, this is the healthy athlete program. Six cups of oatmeal for breakfast, maybe a couple of eggs, yep. right? And then for lunch, it was probably what, three or four cents, like a sandwich, yep. right? And then, you know, juice, Gatorade all day long, yep. crush the fat, crush the calories, and, but the problem is, is that each person responds differently to the calorie quality. 100%. Right? So 100%. now you start switching around that. So then that year, you're too, now did you drop body fat and drop weight as you were doing that two step? Obviously, there's going to be a little bit of initial drop from the inflammatory load. Yep. So then how much did you lose that year when you started to manipulate your diet a little bit? So I understand that for everything you take away, you got to fill in. Yeah. So I wasn't eating as many carbs. So what I did was supplement that with higher protein intake. Gotcha. Right? So... I was hovering around 270. Before this intervention, I blew up to 286. Wow. I was so heavy that I was foam rolling on a PVC pipe and I crushed the PVC pipe. <laughs> so, yeah. There's so, the claim to fame. I could just yeah, imagine but, that visual, right? And so I was big and strong, but I just, I was not power. I wasn't quick twitch. I was a, always a quick twitch guy, very powerful. And then I was just not anymore. I was strong, but I wasn't. And so... I got introduced to that diet, and he told me, he's like, listen, I'd rather have you at 260 and be strong and powerful and, and all that than 280 and just be a blob. And so I can show you my pictures after this. I, I dropped down to 268, but I was bigger. Gotcha. I, was, I was bigger in the shoulders, bigger in the arms, bigger in the legs. I was able to retain more lean body mass. I cut down all the fat. I was pushing more weight in the weight room. I was faster. I was quicker. And so, yeah, I dropped down to 268, my performance. It's actually roof. something with, I find that people don't talk about is that they think if you're doing powerlifting, we know that weight's going to be important to an extent, but you'll yep. drop. But if you do it properly, yep. you can change your body composition, look lighter, or yep. be lighter, but look bigger, bigger. Yep. because you're eating for what your body's telling it to exactly. do. Exactly. And you, uh, I think one of the things that we see a lot in the office is people are like, hey, I'm losing weight. I, you know, um, but the first thing I ask them is, how are your lifts in the gym? Yep. And so let's say you're 200 pounds, mm -hmm. uh, or in your case, you're 280, but you let's say you were lifting 400 pounds yep. on your deadlift. Yep. But then you go down to 260, but you're deadlifting 500. Yep. Well, your strength to weight ratio yep. just jumped right up. 100%. People forget that, like, oh, my weights aren't going up. But I'm like, you lost 10 pounds, your weights aren't going up, but they're not going down. Yep. Well, that means you gained exactly. that strength. That strength, strength to weight ratio is super important. and I'm positive that you probably noticed the difference in all aspects. Oh, absolutely. So that just tells us when you're getting leaner, bigger, faster, stronger, mm -hmm. and you're changing your diet, this is why I think it's important to note is that food is a hormone. Absolutely. Because right? it probably changed your whole hormonal profile from yep. mood to, you know, stress levels to everything. So yeah, no, that's amazing. And then, so then what happens that, is that your first year or second year? That's my last year in college. 
So you're mastering code. So then you want to access this information. So then when you come back in the summer, what are you doing? Are you working out with a pro? Are you going, you going into my senior year or like, going like into my first pro? When year? you went to your first pro year, yeah. when you came back, what are you doing training-wise in the summer? Well, or are you just there the whole time? It was a quick turnaround. So gotcha. I finished my senior year, uh, moved back home, and of course the CFL season starts earlier. So we had a report for camp in May. Okay. And I didn't finish exams until May. <laughs> So I drove all the way to Vancouver um, and then flew to Ottawa, got here, I was maybe here a week and a bit, and then before I knew it, I was getting ready for my first CFL camp. Okay, so you only start looking into nutrition mm -hmm. your last year of college. College. Yep. Okay, because, I mean, it's a big, that's late and early. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. You know, looking back, I'm happy it happened, but I, I, I just think what would it be like if I had figured that out my junior year, my sophomore year, my freshman year? And so how did you, what did you, I need to ask a question though, when did you graduate from university? I had a major in sociology and a minor in criminal justice. Okay, awesome. And how did you enjoy the schooling experience there? You know what, it was, it was cool because it was such a whirlwind when I first got down there. It was with football and school, like you don't understand the workload. Well, I think that's what I want to get into is that whole thing about how you're feeling your three years with your nutrition. like. I think one of the big things, and I think that's the big debate now with NCAA is you guys are pro athletes. Essentially, yeah. And then you're trying to manage school. Yep. And like life, you're figuring things out. Like, I got to do laundry. Yeah. Right? Like, those are all, a, that's a big, big commitment, right? So, yep. how did, I just want to kind of walk into what, how did you feel your first year to your last year by changing that nutrition from schooling to concentration to focus? Because I think a lot of people don't relate energy levels and their mood to what they eat. No. Right? And so, how, how did that transition for you? Well, when I first got down there, it was a whirlwind, man. Because I, I would think, I'm hungry, now I eat. Yeah. That was my thought process. And then, you know, trying to fit all those meals in when you're trying to gain weight with the high activity level you're doing, all the hours you put, you're putting in on the field and in the gym, plus the classroom work, plus going to and from where you got to be, there was no time to eat good food. And so I was eating garbage all the time because I didn't know any better. Fast forward to a few years later, I am finally understanding meal prep. I'm understanding, okay, on Sunday I have more time, let me make a ton of chicken breast, let me make a ton of beef. That's right, because you guys play on Saturdays. Yep. Yeah, gotcha. And let, let me make a ton of this stuff so I can just go in the fridge, microwave it, and then I have good food and I'm burning less time. So it took you three years to figure out time management skills. In that respect, yeah, for sure. It's something that, you know, it's funny. I, when people say, well, Harry, how come I can't just do this diet and lose weight? Yeah. I, I think that people don't understand. It takes years to mm -hmm. change your environment, to change your mindset, to change your cooking skills, to sure. finally realize, hey, this is my weakness. i got to zone in on this. Yeah. And that's why it takes so much time to get things rolling. But yeah. that's why diets work for three to four weeks. Yeah. But when you change your nutritional structure, mm -hmm. it's hard in the beginning, but then in the end... Yeah. Right. It's like super easy. Whereas diets yep. are the reverse. So, so you learned all that stuff. You started paying off. You came back. Yep. Playing ball. Yep. And so, what was it like walking in? Like Ottawa is your hometown. Yeah. So, what was it like walking into your your first like CFL roster? Like you're walking into the change room of the Ottawa Redbox, brand new stadium, brand new everything. I think that's where we met. Yeah. Right. That's the first place we met. Right. Because yeah. that's like I know what my feeling was like. But what was yep. your like? You're walking in, this is the dream, right? To be honest, I had a pretty big chip on my shoulder. Okay. So I performed very well my junior year, and I was a predicted uh, like top four-round draft pick in the NFL. And my senior year rolls around, and I blow out a tendon of my foot. Uh -huh. And I'm supposed to be done the whole year. And then I push forward, and I keep playing, and I don't perform as well as I do. My pro day rolls around, I blow my hamstring out during my 40 time. Oh. So it's just, that's just gone. Right, so I come to the CFL and I'm like, man, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be over there. So I had a pretty big chip on my shoulder, man, and I was just looking to butt some heads and um, yeah, but uh, with that being said, like my, my uncle Shane played there. I grew up watching the Ottawa GGs uh, and then eventually the Renegades play at Lansdale. Right. Yeah. And so for me, I thought it was pretty cool to represent my city because I, when I did that, in when I played in Division One football, I was always the one Canadian kid at the field of all the time, so I always wore that on my chest. And so I thought to myself, I'm going to come here and ball out and show these guys what 
auto kids are made of, you know? Right, and so then you went in, yeah. what did you do for your first year? So you walked in there, what was nutrition and training like? Cause, you know, I know they had the gym there, yeah. right? There was some nutritional stuff that we started to integrate in a little bit there, but yeah. what were you doing at that time, nutrition? Because you just graduate from basically college, walk yeah. into as a pro, Yeah. right? Like, you probably don't even have your, de your degree, doesn't have your name on it yet. No. And it's like, I'm a pro. So yep. then you walk in there, what's your nutrition looking like? What are you doing during that season? Is it, do you find it harder? Did you find it different? Because now you got travel and- It was, uh, it was easier and yet more difficult. Like training camp was hard because with university, like your, your meals are all prepared and they're good food. It's all good food. The strength coaches, this is, this is the meal plan we have. You're getting X amount of protein, X amount of this, X amount of that, it's all there. When I got to the CFL, especially we were a new team, we were over at Carlton U and we were That's eating right. at the cafeteria. I remember dropping off protein powder. Yeah. That 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 camp. Yeah. Yeah. It was so bad. Like they were feeding us essentially broth with maybe little nuggets of chicken this yeah. big. We had some guy losing like twenty pounds yeah. during camp. And so I said, like this isn't gonna cut it. So I was uh, doing practice and then before meetings and stuff I was running out to farm boy or this and that because I knew I had to supplement that. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't um, it wasn't that difficult once the season rolled around because you know you show up for practice. We had breakfast there, which was a godsend, and then we're out of the building by like two o'clock. Two o'clock. Yeah. And so I had it was pretty it was pretty weird. Like I I go to practice and then I clock out for the day and be like, all right, like I don't have class to go to. I don't have this or that and the other thing. So what am I gonna do? So I go home. I go to Costco, I do my Costco runs, and I continue that meal prep thing uh, with whatever knowledge I, I did have at the time. And it wasn't until hooking up with you and Donnie Ruiz when I started to learn more. So more when did you start with Donnie then? I started with Donnie. Is that first year? Of, uh, yeah, first year. I started I started working occasionally with Donnie my last year in university. Gotcha. Uh, so when you're in and out of home, yeah. you kind of would go into, because he's what, EPA, right? Yeah. Right, so Elite Performance Academy. Yeah. Right? Because um, you're still, still still at this point. Canada. Canada. So you're still in, yeah. close to the gym. Yeah, gotcha. And then uh, it wasn't, I didn't start working with him full-time until my first year as a pro here, like gotcha. the second or third week into the season started going over there and training because we didn't have a full gym set up at uh, the Red Blacks yet. No, not yet. That's right. Everything kind of took time to transition. Yep. But so then basically what you did is you said, okay, time to take my stuff into my own hands. Yep. Right? You said, like, this is, I think, the behaviors of pros that I, like, I work with. I actually find, I am pros, just people who are looking to strive to get better. Yep. They're always looking for new angles. It's like, okay, so now you're like, okay, now I don't got my own personal strength coach, yep. right? I don't have someone who's like, you know, at the university level who's mm -hmm. looking after me. Now it's like, I'm a pro, like yep. either I show up or I don't show up. So you went outside, yep. right? Got your strength and conditioning coach and Donnie's awesome. Yep. Like, you know, there's a guy who's achieved it all, right? CIS. CIS, all Canadian, uh, played in the CFL forever. Yeah. Uh, he's a martial arts champion. Yeah, who knows, like, I, I think- Bodybuilding I think, champion. I think when Donnie, say Donnie's doing this, like, okay, that's what yeah. he wins. So right? shout out to him, best strength coach in, uh, in Ottawa for sure. Yeah. Very fortunate to get connected with him, but uh, yeah, I, I, like you just said, I, I had to be more resourceful because everything wasn't there from the get-go. Yeah, and, it, it, but, and at the same time, it's you, it's your body. Like now, your body is your business. Absolutely. Right. So now it's like the treatments and the all this kind of stuff. Anything you can do to get that edge, so yep. you feel good. So now you're training with a pro. So you went out and got someone to help you out, put that in. Yep. And then you're starting. So what are you doing nutrition your first year? Right. Uh, pretty standard to what I've been doing in my senior year of university. You know, yeah. like. Meat and, meat and nuts and uh, berries breakfast, no yeah. matter what. Um, high protein intake, generally speaking. Uh, simple carbs, yeah. things like that. I was, with me, like my What's girlfriend- What's at the beginning of the season? Uh, 268. And then by the end of the season? About the same. Oh, that's really same. good. Yeah, I was that's able really to, because with CFL, you're practicing three times a week in one game. Whereas in NCAA, you practice it four times a week, classes, game, yada, yada, yada. So I was able to do a better job at managing my weight because I wasn't doing as much. How many meals a day are you eating now when you're a pro? Because in the, obviously when you're, when you're playing ball, university, yeah. right, there's a little bit more, there's more control. Like they're organizing your meals. Now you're a pro, so it's yeah. kind of like, so what are you eating now? Five, four, three, two? How many meals a day are you eating? I'm eating about four. Four meals? And what would a day look like as a pro when you're eating like that day? When you're eating... You know, middle of the season, what you eat in the day. So when you wake up in the morning, what what does a Connor Williams eat during the season? 
So during the season, wake up. Uh, first thing I do is I'll chug about a liter of water with limes. limes? Shout out to Harry. Yeah. Limes. Yeah. Uh, with limes and then a pinch of Himalayan salt. Chug that down, and then I'll have my coffee. Head down to the stadium. They would have breakfast there for us, and they'd have the whole nine yards: eggs, bacon, mm -hmm. sausage, uh, home fries, pancakes. Mm -hmm. So I'd see all my teammates like they'd be wolfing down pancakes and things like that. So for me, I'd have a ton of eggs and sausage, and then they always had berries too. I'd have that as well, and that was my breakfast. Then I'd have a pre-practice shake which consisted of like protein powder, uh, chia seeds, uh, a lot of fatty stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, just like a good... Yep. Uh, practice, post-practice, I'd have a protein shake immediately after, um, and then give or take, I'm, I might have a lift afterwards, in which case I'll do the lift and then the protein shake. And then they'd have lunch ready for us, and that would be whatever they were serving that day. It's it got better over the years, thanks yeah. to your your input, like um, protein veg. They'd have a little protein, bit of everything. Yeah, protein veg, and then a good carb. I'd wolf that down. Go home, and then I'd have dinner that night, which would probably be pretty carb heavy, with usually like a brown rice or a yam or some type of white potato. And then I'd have some type of uh, like a white meat, like a chicken. Might have a fish. I wouldn't. I would have red meat generally in the morning, and then uh, a white meat in the afternoon. And then at nighttime, it would usually be a protein shake or some eggs. And were you weighing your food, counting calories? You just going on feel. What, what was your strategy? Uh, up to that point, I was going on feel. Gotcha. And it wasn't until you and I connected when I actually started doing the math for things. Little things, yeah. Yeah. And then so walk us through the transition. So you went from organized and then we started working together yep. so i think we did your food sensitivity test we did yep. your body fat test we started weighing things out just to yep. make sure you weren't overeating or under eating things so how did you find the food sensitivity test workout for you for well there's always mixed reviews and i always tell people listen to people who have done it who yep. work in a violent environment right you work in an environment environment and yep. your guys joints like you're more in tune with your body than you think. Yeah, absolutely. And so what are some of the things that you noticed from, from uh, doing? Just got a hamstring crack. That's uh, okay. <laughs> shout out to Donnie and Sarah Buclair for that. Thank you. Do you want to stretch? No, I'm good. No? Um, so up to that point, I had been eating clean, but it was my ignorant idea of clean. So I was still downing a ton of milk. I was still taking in like red peppers and all these foods that later, when you and I did our sensitivity tests, came up as red flags. And I had always had a hard time. I was always stiff. I was always achy. Um, I would get colds and stuff quite often. That's right. You had an immune issue. Right? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, that's right. And then, uh, but I was eating clean. And I just thought that's my life. You know, I play football. I lift weights. I'm going to be sore. This, that, the other thing. And then I come in with you. We do our food sensitivity tests. And I started cutting out milks, red peppers, all these things that came up on my... Uh, healthy food, but not healthy, healthy fruit. fruit. Yeah. Exactly. And it was pretty immediate reaction. Like, I remember I woke up one day and I just, I felt good. Like, my joints were achy. Um, I wasn't swollen in my hands and in my feet. Uh, I would go through a workout and my energy level would be even better than it had been before. Um... I was bouncing back quicker with my recovery, and I was like, man, like there's some real merit to to this and what we're doing. And I think you brought in everybody. Yeah. You're like, Harry, you did, I think your mom, your dad, you're like, I need them in. Yeah, them absolutely. In. I, started, I started spreading it, and I, like that concept of food sensitivity, um, like ancestral, Personalization, ancestral eating, ancestral eating, like that was, that was a whole new uh, birth of new information to me, because I had started eating clean, but then this was just a whole other level to it. And you know what's funny is I remember, the, and you know, I think one of the things I want to highlight to the people that are listening to this is that we didn't work together till after you won the, no, were you in the finals or when you won the Grey Cup? I think we were in the finals. No, you won the Grey Cup the second year. No, you are in the finals the second year. Yeah. Yes, that's correct. So. And then going into my my third, third year is when yeah. we started working together. So that means that Pre you, Cup. you're in the Great Cup final. Yeah. I think you called me literally within, I think I got three or four phone calls. Yeah. 
the day after that game from a couple of you guys. Yeah. Right? Like that to me is the mind of a champion. Yeah. For sure. Right? Like anybody who I've ever worked with who wants to get better, they'll go, let's say, even do a Spartan race or something, yeah. whatever it is. Literally the next day I get a text, so what's next? Yeah. It's like, holy cow. Well, I'll tell you what did it for me was I saw Andrew Marshall walk into the locker room. Yeah. Uh, I think my second year. Okay. And he was looking swole, big, strong, but tight. You know what I mean? And his performance was off the charts. And I was like, what are you doing? And he told me he was working with you. Well, yeah, he, just, he did. Yeah, he came and saw us for the, the food sensitivity. Yeah, exactly. He was yeah, talking about the food sensitivity. And I was like, man, there has to be something behind this. And because then Johnny, too. Johnny as well. Yeah. Like, those are two guys who were looking good, were big and strong, uh, weren't injured. And so, how am I going to up my game? Well, obviously, I'm going to try and tap into that resource. I think there's good experience there, just talking to some of the older guys, right? Yeah, just thinking, sure. hey, what are you doing? What's different? Mm -hmm. And so. You did that, and then so then fast forward now. So you're still training EPA. You're doing all that stuff. So what's what's Connor Williams doing now, right? So um, let me ask you one question though. Yes. Post Grey Cup. Yeah. What was the meal that you had? And did you did you eat a meal out of the Grey Cup, and did you drink out of the Grey Cup? Uh, you know what? Well, immediately after the victory, uh, I drank out of the Grey Cup because they were they never put anything in there. There was like whiskey champagne beer like all of it in it at once and yeah. so we were just drinking these concoctions of things and then you know that's all with the high of winning but then i think back at probably all the things that have happened in that cup and just <laughs> a little off-putting so that was the first and only time i did that yeah but uh yeah man to be honest with you like my biggest weakness has always been like sushi sushi yeah so uh where do you go in the city What's your what's your favorite place? Um, probably ten sushi just down the road. From here? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. I always yeah. every time I'd walk by there, I'd see like three or four of the red box. Yeah. There, just because you know I eat a lot, so and sushi can be a little expensive. Yeah. So yeah, just a lot of that. But uh, you know, my my turnaround was pretty quick. Like we won, and uh, I wanted more of it. So I was back at the gym within a week, yeah. getting ready for 2017. Awesome. Well, that's usually what happens, right? You get. There's only so much you can do yeah. off season that you're like, okay, it's weak. Okay, partying, need to get back into yeah. it, right? Because you yeah. just feel gross. Yeah, you do. And like, I've always been somebody who's had a little anxiety when it comes to my performance, and I can only sit idle so long before I gotta go back. And so, with your anxiety, did you ever see like a sports psychologist? Are you using the? I know most CFL teams have a pasture. Mm -hmm. Like, are you using anybody to talk? Right. I think one of the things that people forget is athletes are humans. Yeah. Right? You guys, they think they're superhumans, but they also forget the anxiety, the depression, the libido drops, ups and like all the ups and downs as an athlete. Yeah. It's a roller coaster, right? Yeah. I think I was talking to one of the first guys in the first year, he ended up leaving that year, and he's like, the only thing that I'm happy about, Harry, about being retired from football is I'm not looking over my back anymore. He's yeah. like, now I'm going to go find a job, yeah. I'm going to work, and I'm going to be there. He's like, not every year am I going to lose my contract or anything like that. And he goes, it causes like depression, anxiety, sure. and loneliness because you don't know where you're going to be. And every year you might be going to a new club. So did you use anybody did you, or did you just have a good family network? It sounds like you have a good family network of people who have been through this experience between Donnie, your uncles. Yeah. But did you have to see any, Like, Did you talk to anybody or did you go through those moments? Or I mean, yeah, if, you feel, if you feel okay... Yeah, sharing sure, some. Man. I think oh, it's important I, uh, that people have these outlets, right? I went through a ton of those experiences, man. Like, so looking back now, I, I never got diagnosed with anything, but like anxiety off the charts, depression for sure, like, hundred percent. Um, but situational. Yeah. Right. Um, a big help for me was speaking with people who have walked that path for sure, like Donnie and things like that. But another big thing that helped me a lot was when I started working with you was proper food intake and supplementation. I didn't know that there was a direct correlation to depression, anxiety, things like that, and your gut health. You know what I mean? I didn't know that. And so when you and I started taking probiotics, higher magnesium, all of a sudden, a lot of those those dips in mood and libido and all those things happening weren't, weren't happening anymore. And uh, it just goes to show like healthy body, healthy mind, right? It's true. I always tell people there's not one area that you can focus on that's going to save you. Yeah. And there's not one area to blame. Yeah. It's exactly. it's it's everything is going to come together. Yeah. And we just got to figure out what's the hot right hybrid for you. Yeah. And sure. then so now, so you retire from CFL. Yeah. You were out in BC. Yeah. Doing firefighting. Yeah. From love. Yeah. You just broke thousands of girls' hearts right now. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so man. then, what's what's now? What's 
what's on deck for you where you're kind of like, where are you right now? You're back in Ottawa. Back in Ottawa. Right? So you're back here, girlfriend's with you. Yep. Right? And so you, what, 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 what are you making, what are you doing right now? Yeah, man, just moved back. Uh, just settling back in a little settling bit? Settling back in a little yeah. bit. Um, a big thing for me I recognize I needed to do after a long fire season like we had, yeah. uh, it's just getting my body back in tune because I was in pretty rough shape after that fire season. Any scary stories? Yeah, I got a few. What's what's the true, I think when we look at it on the news, Yeah. what's the true, like what is the ground, what, what does it look like there? So like they put you in a helicopter, like what you living on the camps? What? It's very situational. It depends on what situation you're dealing with with the fire, like how close it is to the city and whatnot. If it's, there's some interface. So for instance, my very first fire was a fire way up north, a few hours up of Fort St. John. And so we had to drive all the way to Fort St. John and then a few hours beyond that. And then we got picked up via helicopter, dropped off in the middle of the swamp and then left there. So you got all your kit, your camping your gear. Your kit, your camping gear, your food, your 72-hour food pack, which is just non-perishable garbage. Yeah. And uh, you're out there for 20 days. And so I was out there for 20 days. Breakfast was one packet of oatmeal in your mouth, dry, with water. And then the rest of the food I was eating throughout the day was like canned tuna. Yeah. And you're working 18-hour days, fighting this fire, and then you shack up bunk down for the night in a, in a little crappy you have, tent. Do you have rotations? Nope. Or you, just, you go? You go. So you go for 20 days at a time, stretches up to, and yeah. then you, you're off for two, and then back up for 20 if it calls that. Now if you go out there and then it's all wrapped up in five days, then five days. Gotcha. But we were out there for 20. That was my very first fire out there on our own, or our unit crew by, by ourselves. How many of you? 20. 20. Now, if you come across a big fire, like we had a pretty substantial fire in Alberta, which was over 320,000 hectares, and that was a fire that had been raging all summer long, and so in that case, they'll bring in resources from everywhere. Like we had firefighters from BC, Alberta, Ontario, South Africa wow. uh, coming in to fight this fire, and in that case, they're going to have a bunch of portables set up uh, for you to shower in, they have a cafeteria there for you to eat. Uh, but you're still sleeping in tents and, and all that. So. Mosquitoes? Uh, you know what, man? Like, yeah, there were some pretty gnarly bugs. Like, mosquitoes, horse flies. I remember there'd be hordes of horse flies chasing the trucks when we drive to our spot for the day, just following us, eating you alive. Um, a few of the fires down south and like, a Soyuz area, that wasn't too bad. That was actually a lot of fun, fighting fires there because you don't have to deal with that stuff, but those northern fires are something else. Any snakes? Anything cool? Like, did you see any weird animals? Uh, came across some bison, some nice. moose. I got in a real dicey situation with a mother bear. Ooh, let's, yeah. let's hear the mother bear story. So we were up in northern Alberta, high level, uh, fighting that 320,000 hectare fire. And some days it was a rager. It was too dangerous for us even to go in, or we would go in, they have to pull us out, like it was looking like Armageddon. And then there was other days where it was pretty calm. And when it's a day like that, you really want to get on top of it. So it was a calm day. It was nice and cool. Um, fire was really just smoldering. So we were all going to our post for the day. And I'm getting dropped off at my post. And I get my bag out of the back of the pickup. And I set my bag down. And then maybe 10, 15 yards in front of me comes out a black bear a mother black bear with her cub right beside her and she stops and I look and she looks at me and the truck's off to my right and she stands up on her hind legs and starts making all kinds of grunting gurgling she's sounds she's flexing on me and then I stop my my tracks and then I hear a rustle behind me and sure enough her other cub comes maybe a couple feet behind me and we had this old timer on the crew who's been there for 23 years never says a word to anybody and he popped his head out and he goes fuck it run <laughs> so i dropped everything sprinted for the truck pretty much did a superman truck picked me up we hightailed it out, out, out of there and she was just chasing us down the down the path for maybe like a good 60 seconds just galloping like a horse behind us and then she eventually peeled off <laughs> yeah and so <laughs> And did I'm guessing you didn't go back to that post for the day? Oh no, I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> so. And so you did that. You're here. 
Mm. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And then, uh, so what's the new endeavors now? What are you looking into? Are you doing anything special? Are you working with any charities? Because I know you were big in volunteer. Yeah. Right? Like before when you were playing? Is there anything you're doing now? Anything? Did a lot of volunteer work while I was playing. Again, I'm, I'm just settling in, so right now. How long have you been back for? I didn't even ask that. Uh, about a month. Oh, yeah. So you're just. So um, right now I'm starting to work with uh, Donnie. Awesome. Um, over at his gym. So uh, giving back? Giving back. Just doing some shadowing with him right now. I've always been a big guy in the weight room. I love the weight room. I love it because, you know, you help people become stronger versions of themselves, both physically, mentally, spiritually, however you want to put it. So I've always fell in love with it and always felt like I could do a good job helping people elevate themselves. So I'm currently shadowing him and I'm looking to start taking on clientele, varying ages, uh, goals, whatever it may be, anywhere from general fitness to uh, focused athletes. Gotcha. Uh, in the next in the next little bit here. So awesome. that's what I'll and, be doing. Uh, you're still you're still active on your Instagram and all that stuff. I see you putting up stuff all the time. So yeah. people will know where they can reach you and all that kind of stuff. Yep. What's your handle where people can reach you? Uh, it's 99CWilliams. Okay. That's that's on Instagram. That's the best way to get a hold of me. I'm not really too active on Facebook or Twitter. And uh, I just started getting back active on Instagram because it's a powerful tool. Yeah. But uh, for the last year and a bit, I haven't really done much on it. But I will be more active on there, and that's where people can get a hold of me. And so what would you leave if you were to tell people about their health because I mean you've been through it all yep. you're still learning right I think you're still learning you're still doing stuff uh, what would you kind of tell people to like what would be an advice that you would tell a kid or anything like yep. that about nutrition today right what would you leave the younger generation if you could leave on one note today from this podcast what would you kind of want to let people know about nutrition um, invest in yourself you know what I mean invest in yourself and in your health it's the best investment you'll ever make and food is the number one key to that. Food and rest are the, the two top keys. Training, to yeah. Absolutely. Um, it, you know, it's it's all about. We're seeing a big rise in preventative measures nowadays. Whereas I think with our parents' generation, it was more reactive measures to diseases and things like that. Where we're realizing that if I take preventative measures, I eat properly. Um, I'll feel better, and I won't have to worry about things down the line. So absolutely, invest in yourself. Um, go get a food sensitivity test. Understand what ag what agrees with your body, and start taking those steps to live a better, healthier life. And you know, you'll thank yourself later for that. Your family will thank you. Your friends. So that's that's number one advice I give right there. Awesome. Appreciate well, great having you on the show. No, oh, appreciate it. Right. Thank really you. appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. And uh, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Connor Williams, back in Ottawa. Make sure you follow him in on Instagram. Yes, sir. And if you have any uh, more information you want to hit him up, let us know. And if you have any questions for us, let us know. Have a great day.